Hi guys, Candace here. So glad to get to spend a little bit of time with you today on The Good Day. Here, we'll focus on finding grace in our ordinary days. We'll learn good days don't just happen. And even more, a good life doesn't just happen. There's a choice involved. Join me as we learn how to develop the discipline and cultivate a heart that seeks strength, joy, and peace and finds rest in the good day, one day at a time. This week, we're talking about the Bible 101, spreading the good news. Ever feel like your past is too ugly, your sin too great, your mistakes may be too well known for God to use you? Well, think again. But before we dive in, here's a quick recap of what we've been learning so far. Jesus has died for our sins on the cross, and after three days, he rose again. Rose again! This is no casual recap. This is big. We know this happened because real people saw him, not as a ghost or an illusion of him. They they saw the real him. He even ate breakfast with them and spoke to them and laughed, and oh, what a beautiful reunion it was for these close friends. Great joy was theirs and great purpose too. Before ascending to heaven, Jesus gives them the great commission to go into all the world and preach the good news so people may believe and repent and be saved in the power of Jesus Christ. The early followers of Christ would risk their lives doing just that. And how thankful we are they did. They put their lives at risk so we could know the good news of our salvation too. So now it's time to build the church. And again, we see God use an unlikely person who endures shipwreck and imprisonment to spread the good news. Meet Paul, or was it Saul? Like we were saying, ever feel like your past is too ugly, your sin too great, your mistakes too well known for God to use you? Well, think again. Exhibit A. Paul. Well, his Hebrew name was Saul, but his Roman name was Paul. He went by Paul because he spent his life talking to mostly Romans about Jesus, so it made sense for him to go by the name they would most easily recognize. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Before all this Jesus talk started happening, Paul was a bad dude and proud of it. Imagine Paul around the age of a cocky college student when he starts coming on the scene. Jesus' death and resurrection took place about A.D. 29 or 30, and Paul was born A.D. 10. He made it his life's mission to persecute Christians and support the murder of them until he met the resurrected Jesus. In this encounter, Paul loses his sight. In the most literal sense, Paul physically cannot see. This is around A.D. 34 through 37. Once his vision was restored, his life was completely changed. He went to tell everyone about the power and love and forgiveness we have through Jesus. Paul traveled a lot, serving as a missionary in an area we know as Turkey, as well as another trip to Thessalonica in Greece. Here he wrote a letter to his friends to help them better understand how Jesus has promised to come again. Paul is writing to his friends in Thessalonica, hence why the two letters are called First and Second. Thessalonians. If he were writing to the people in Oklahoma, the books might have been called First and Second Oklahomans or Oklahomies or Okies or the okayest people around. <laughs> you get the idea. While Paul hand wrote this letter, he didn't deliver it. That job was given to a man named Timothy a short time after first visiting the people in T-Town. After his time in Athens, Paul travels to the commercial hub of Greece, Corinth. Here, Paul devotes over a year to establish a church. Then Paul returns to his home church in Antioch before spending four years in Asia and Europe for the third time. During this journey, he writes a letter to the church in Corinth. 
Knowing what we now know about the names of these letters, you can guess what the letters written to the church in Corinth are called. If you said Corinthians, you'd be right. While the first letter is to try to bring some order back to the church, hey, even the church is made up of imperfect people. The second letter highlights how we can be comforted by Christ. Between these, some scholars believe the letter to the Galatians was written. It's important to remember while a man named Peter is preaching to the Jews, Paul is preaching to non-Jews, also known as Gentiles. Circumcision is now a hot topic. If Jews have to be circumcised, do Christians as well? Paul tells us Christ justifies a person in Galatians 2 verse 16. Indeed, Christ has set us free from all the requirements of the Old Testament law. Paul, the devoted pen pal, keeps going. This time, he writes to the people in Rome. He hasn't met them yet, but he introduces himself as a slave of Christ, an apostle set apart. First impressions, eh? <laughs> Let's just say Paul is bold. He's more than Paul, the devoted pen pal, though. He's also Paul, the sailor. Ahoy, matey! But this time, it doesn't go so well. Trying to reach Rome, he ends up shipwrecked in Malta. He also spends quite a bit of time in jail, but it ain't nothing because he has more writing to do. He writes to a few more churches, one in Ephesus, hence Ephesians, one in Philippi, Philippians, another to the Colossians, as well as a man named Philemon. Understanding the circumstances of Paul's life is so important to grasping the message of his letters. It's one thing to nod your head along when Paul tells the Ephesians to, quote, walk in a manner worthy of their calling, as he is doing as a prisoner of Christ in Ephesians 4.1, but knowing he is actually in prison while writing this and still living out his calling despite the unexpected shipwreck and the unwanted and persecuting conditions. Yeah, it's rich. Paul's like the professor who can teach the class well because he's not just book smart. He's lived it. It continues, in Philippians, he tells the people to have joy despite their circumstances while he has a Roman soldier guarding his prison cell. Colossians is a bit different, though. He's heard they are misunderstanding worship and uses his pen to remind them they have been freed from the law through Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is growing older, likely around 50 years old, and writes to a few individuals. Here's the CSV the Candace Standard Version. To Philemon, he's writing a plea for reconciliation. In the first letter to Timothy, it's a word of wisdom for this young pastor, whom Paul had great brotherly affection towards. He urges Tim to be an example of God's patience, even with the worst sinners. In the two letters to Titus, it's written from a mentor to a mentee about leadership and walking the walk, not just talking the talk, when we say we believe in Christ. Titus was a Gentile, meaning a non-Jew, pastor in Crete. Both letters written when Paul was free from his imprisonment. And then the second letter to Timothy is likely the last letter we have from Paul. Again, out of brotherly affection, he writes to the young Timothy as he sits in a dark and lonely prison. Though he originally wrote to Tim, let's read this as if written to us, because by God's grace, He's urging us in the same direction. He writes, As for you, always be clear-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an apostle. Fulfill your ministry. For I have already been poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept 
the faith. How do we keep the faith? We spread the good news. We endure suffering as Christ modeled for us. We run our race and fulfill our purpose in the ministry God has uniquely given each of us. And believe we do that by looking at the needs around us and using the giftings he's given us. The life of Paul is at minimum inspiring. It's a life once lived blinded, but by the grace of God, through Jesus, he now sees so clearly. He sees God's glory through the most brutal and lonely of circumstances, shipwrecked and imprisoned. His pivot was Jesus. There once was a man named John Newton who, like Paul, was well known for his mistakes. He worked in the 18th century slave trade, a murderously horrific but lucrative career. In the middle of a storm on board the ship, he reflected on his life and the truth of the gospel his mother taught him at a young age. John wondered if God's grace and forgiveness could reach him after he had so blatantly rejected God. Though his transformation wasn't overnight, he began to pray and get into community with others who shared faith in God. He became a pastor of a small church and a writer, writing the words of the familiar hymn we know. It speaks of being blind to truth, but by the grace of God, through Jesus, we have forgiveness. John writes, I'm not the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I wish to be. I'm not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I'm not the man I used to be. As you go about your day today, I encourage you to listen to Amazing Grace. How do you see Paul's story through these lyrics? How do you see your own story? Where was your pivot to faith? Where was your but by God's grace moment? How were you once blinded but now able to see through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. May we find strength in the Word of God. May our joy for reading Scripture grow as we intentionally choose to set aside time to spend reading it each day. May our peace overflow as the Word of God reads us and changes us from the inside out. Then we will know rest this world cannot give. Remember how we said five minutes a day can change your day, your life, and even your eternity? Well, I'm sharing what I'll be reading with you this week on my website and on social. I really hope you'll join me. The good life, well, it starts with a good day, then another, then another. Let's choose to live the good day one day at a time.